slide on the screen. So that is that. Um, this morning, we, we had two baptisms in the first service, which was awesome. Yeah, absolutely incredible. And it was a father-son duo. Yeah. And so it was Ish and his son Israel. And what I thought was uh, kind of neat was that Israel, it's his birthday today. And he wanted to be baptized on his birthday, which I thought was absolutely incredible. So I thought I'd, I'd share that with you guys um, as, as we do this. So, so there, you, there you go. There you go. Um, this, oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. So about three weeks ago, uh, somebody dropped off some books at the church. It's an older pastor. He retired, and he's trying to clean stuff out and stuff like that. And so uh, Seth and myself and Grayson, we all kind of picked through them, and then we donated them to other places, the ones that we didn't want. But as I was flipping through, there's a couple of books that just got my attention, okay? And, and here's the first one. I talk to myself. That's a great one to have on your pastor's shelf right there. And it's short stories, poems, and meditations about myself, I guess, is, is what that is. So I got a kick out of that one. Now, before we go to the next one, listen, if you're visiting with us, this is not a place where you don't take this like you would take it out there. We just have fun here. Okay, we just have fun. But this is a legitimate book that I found in the boxes, and it's this one, from a black brother, from a black brother. And, and it, it just caught my attention. Do you know what I mean? I was like, oh, what kind of book is this? This is a horrible title, absolutely horrible title, from a black brother. Oh, yeah, it's, it's Gupton's granddad. Yeah, he's right here. Okay, anyway, not the black brother. Okay, not the black brother. Yeah, he's great. Uh, sorry. Yeah. And I'm just having fun. I appreciate the books. Okay. From, from a black brother. So I flipped through it. And it's like an autobiography, biography. I'm not really sure which it is. I haven't really read it. And, 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 but that's not the reason I'm showing it to you. <laughs> the very next book that I brought up out of, that I saw after I saw this one was this one. Homies That Last. <laughs> because that's how I read it. Okay, I know it's homes at last, but from a black brother, my mind just went, Hobies, yeah, that, that last, so referred to the first book, I guess, you know, so, so anyway, if, if you're here visiting, we're just having fun, it's nothing like that. Um, I did, I did think this through a little bit, and I think it's interesting that in the culture, you can make fun of two groups of people, and the rest of them get offended. The, the people you can make fun of are Christians, like, and we're supposed to be able to take it. Like if you watch a movie, the Christian is the serial killer, right? At all times, right? Or the bad guy, he's always, okay. So the second group of people that you, um, can't make, that you can make fun of is Southerners, right? And in every movie, like it's the dumb person that's the Southerner or whatever like that, or they make fun of Southerners. And I, I got to thinking about why is it those two groups of people that really don't necessarily get offended? And I think there's a couple of reasons. One, um, we know how to take a joke, right? And, and two, if you're already smarter than everybody else. Okay, there you go. All right. I didn't drink before, so okay. <clears throat> almost, almost lost my balance there. Yeah, good. Now, in the first service... This is Mosaic Observations Part 2. Last week was Part 1. I'm not going to review it. 
If you want to go back and see that one, you can go online to YouTube, find our page, and you can watch Mosaic Observations Part 1. I am picking up exactly where we left off at the end of the last service, is what I'm doing, okay? And so, um, you know, we left off with a mirror. Do you remember that? Looking into a mirror and, and talking to yourself in the mirror? The book? Yeah, okay. Talking to yourself in the mirror, that's where we left it off. And... Um, I'm about to say a word, and I'm just going to just be upfront with you. I do not say this word correctly. I don't. The first service knows that I don't say it correctly. We had a moment. They laughed at me. I, it was just fine. It's no problem with that. But, but yeah, I'm not going to say this word correctly. So when you look in the mirror, that, that kind of sets it up, doesn't it? It's tension in the room. What word is this? And I might say it correctly. And if I do, we're going to clap. That, that is what we're going to do in this service. If I say it correctly, we're going to clap. That's what we're going to do. So um, you look in the mirror, and, and you ask yourself a, a couple of questions. And the question I want to start with today is, am I authentic? Did I say it right? Thank you. That may be a one-time deal, but authentic. Yeah, am I authentic? And so you look in the mirror, and you, you ask, are you Authentic. Do you feel the Southern draw there? Like I'm about to do it, like authentic. Yeah, authentic. So, I, so I'm thinking about this word and, you know, being authentic. And a lot of people think that they're being authentic, but what they're actually doing is they're being rude. Because some people think to be real and genuine, you just need to share everything that's in your heart and everything that's on your mind so that people know exactly who you are. And so they share all this stuff. And to be honest, they really shouldn't be sharing this stuff with people. You, you're not real and authentic if you are just sharing everything on mind. In fact, being authentic without integrity is lethal. Because what happens is you begin to share everything that's on your mind and whatever comes to your mind, you just comes right out of your mouth. There is no like integrity filter for it, none at all. And you hurt everybody around you. And if you are going to do that, I would rather you be a hypocrite and not tell me that stuff. And I, I would submit to you this morning, there's some things that I don't want, if it's in your heart, I don't want you to tell me about it. I want you to suppress it. I want you to keep it down. I want you to deal with it before it gets out. For instance, if you want to kill me, I do not want you to be authentic and do it, right? I would like to live a little longer. I would like to know that I'm safe. Are you with me? Like just because you feel it in the moment doesn't mean that that passion is something that you grab a hold of. If you're gonna feel like, yeah, I feel like stealing from a store, you shouldn't do that. Are you being real? Like you're really like getting in touch with your feelings and, and then you're acting on your feelings and letting everybody else know your feelings. So you're stealing stuff in the store. That's crazy. Be a hypocrite. Don't do it. Okay. If this helps you just be, it's okay to be a hypocrite. Don't steal. If you're going to cheat on your spouse and you have that feeling inside of you, that is a feeling you need to have some hypocrisy over. You don't act that out. That's, that's not, because being authentic without integrity is lethal. And if you don't have the integrity piece, 
Do not share anything with anybody. Let's keep that stuff down, right? Integrity has to be connected with you being authentic. Now, in integrity, it has like a character thing with it, doesn't it? Like your character is good, you have integrity, it's a good thing. So, so you have this integrity that attaches to you being real, being genuine over here. So, so you, you, kind of, you kind of have this going on, integrity. And this is actually connected to a thing called courage. So you, a person that has courage, and, and we could actually put it anywhere because it's kind of like a thing, but you, a person that has courage has integrity and character, and they're being real about what they're being courageous about. And at the end of all of this, at the end of authentic, at the end of um, integrity, character, at the end of courageousness, for the Christian and the believer, God says you should be something that I really don't like to talk about. Because it's a very difficult subject for me personally. Okay? Just putting that out there. Very difficult subject. It's humility. It is not one of my favorite topics in the Bible. When I run across it, every time you run across humility, I feel guilty, right? Because you read about humility, you read about how you're supposed to be, and you're deep inside, you just kind of, wow. But you have to have humility in order to be courageous, in order to have integrity, in order to be real. You, you, it has to be funded by, or, or fueled by humility, you see, a prideful person isn't courageous. They're mean. A prideful person isn't courageous. They're mean. Roll that around. A humble person that is courageous is kind as they stand. Totally different. A prideful person has a sick character. Like arrogance is a sick character. It's a sign of a sick character. A person that's humble, standing for Jesus, doesn't have a sick character. It is, is a healing sort of character that they have. It's, it's integrity. A prideful person never, ever has integrity at all. And a prideful person is never authentic. Never. You see, in this world, you can climb up the ladder, get the position, and do it all by following pride and arrogance. You can get all the way to the top. You can have anything in this world being pride and arrogant. You can achieve all worldly accomplishments through pride and arrogance. It will allow you to do that. But what it won't allow you to do is have deep relationships as you go up the ladder. What it won't allow you to do is actually do something for the good of the society because you're always doing what's good for yourself, not what's good for the world. What it will not allow you to do is do things that are absolutely incredible that are beyond you and your wildest imagination because you're so self-focused. You're so self-focused that you really can't help anybody out. And if you really want to have a life that is great, your foundation has to be humility. It has to be humility. Without that, you cannot achieve greatness. You can't. And the thing with humility is, if you live a life that way, 
You become great and you really don't understand how great you are because that's not your purpose. Your purpose is totally different when humility is your foundation. I went to a funeral yesterday of a guy named John Dean. Um, Tony, <clears throat> Tony and Stephanie Spoon that go here, it's her father. And I've known John for a very long period of time, since I was a teenager, actually. He was the most humble, kind man I think I've ever known. Always had a sweet demeanor. And in that funeral, they were talking about his kindness. They were talking about the fact that on his deathbed, he says, I do not want this funeral to be about me. I want it to be about Jesus. I want you to praise him. So he always had that type of demeanor. And the reason that John was a great man wasn't for any other reason other than the fact that he was humble and he didn't know how great he was. And that is what we need to strive to be. We need, in our final moments, while people are remembering our life on this earth, be remembered for the greatness that was born out of our humility because we really cared for something more than ourselves. Amen? And so you, you do that. So with that in mind, I want you to turn your Bibles to Numbers chapter 12. Numbers chapter 12. Numbers chapter 12. Now, the first five books of the Bible is written by Moses. Okay? So Moses. So he wrote Numbers chapter 12. We, we need to know that going in. Right? He wrote Numbers chapter 12, he wrote Deuteronomy, he wrote Leviticus, he wrote Exodus, he wrote Genesis, the first five books. So Numbers chapter 12, verse 1, says these words, Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman whom he had married, for he had married a Cushite woman. Just in case you missed it, the first time we said it, we're going to repeat it, okay? He married a Cushite woman. Verse two, and they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. And then this verse, now the man Moses was very meek. Now that word is actually humble. Now the man Moses was very humble, more than all the people who were on the face of the earth. Now Moses wrote that. You know what? Yeah. Like, like if I got up here today and said, I'm the most humble person in this room. I mean, what would you, you know, what would you, and, you know, that would, yeah. So this is kind of a, a lesson about inspiration. God told Moses to write that in scripture is how that works. So Moses is taking what God says and he's putting it on the page. Okay. So this isn't Moses saying, you know, I'm humble. There's a couple of things you just can't say, like I'm narcissistic. Or I'm not narcissistic, right? You, you can't say those particular things, right? But I'm humble, you can't say that. But, but God, for some reason, <clears throat> says that Moses is humble. So let's think about Moses a minute. Moses, in Scripture, killed a man. Moses is a murderer. He is a humble murderer. 
right? He killed. And what in the text, it says that he killed an Egyptian that was beaten, one of the Jewish people, the slaves, and he, he killed the Egyptian. And then Moses knew what he did wrong. He buried the Egyptian in his backyard, not literally, not literally, but he buried the Egyptian and got rid of all the evidence, right? So he's a murderer. You fast forward all the way to the end of his life and Moses gets so mad at the people that God tells him to speak to a rock and instead of speaking to the rock, he strikes it. Not only does he strike it, but he says, we will give you water, meaning him, Aaron, and God. A no-no, total no-no. And he strikes this rock. And here in the scripture, God, who knew the future that Moses was gonna have, making this mistake, and knew the past that he killed somebody, is still here saying that Moses is the most humble person on the face of the planet. And here's the point. You do not have to be perfect to live a humble life. You don't have to be perfect. You can sin and still be humble. I'm not saying that you should sin, but I'm saying that if you have sin in your life, that you know, I'm just not worthy, blah, blah, blah. You can still be humble and have sin in your life because Moses absolutely did. And so he is the most humble person. So if Moses can be humble and live a humble life, you and I can do the same thing. We can figure out this thing, humility. And man, I don't like this subject. It is so convicting when you listen on a lesson or read scripture in humility. It just does something to your soul. So here's a couple of things. First, humility isn't the same as being humiliated. Two totally different things. If you're humiliated, chances are you were caught doing something you weren't supposed to do and would have continued to do it if you hadn't have been caught. Come on. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just being real. That's humiliation. You did not come to the, to the point where you could say, I'm sorry, and get rid of it before somebody caught you doing it. That's what happened. And so you're humiliated in front of people. Um, humiliation, by the way, it has its roots not in, hum, not in humility, but in pride. If you're humiliated, that's a sign that you have pride in your life. It's either sin or something else. You've been humiliated. So humility isn't the same thing as being humiliated. Now, the word for um, <clears throat> humbleness that we, we get in English actually comes from uh, the Latin word that means earth, ground, or dirt. Did you know that? Earth, ground, or dirt. It actually has connections all the way back to the Hebrew language, but really it's consinct in the Latin. Our, he our English word for humility comes from this dirt ground sort of thing. So the lesson here is that humility means that you're down to earth. See, prideful is the other way, right? Prideful is, look at me, look at my accomplishments, look at what I've done, right? I'm all that in a bag of barbecue potato chips. I mean, you should really be glad that you know me and I'm looking down on you. I mean, it's just all about that sort of thing. It's not a down to earth. And you can actually feel this with people, can't you? Come on, you can fill it with people. Like this person, man, they really think they're something, don't they? they it's like not a real, real bad smell, but it feels like a bad smell. Do you know what I mean? Like you've just entered into a bathroom and just something stinks in there. 
right? You, you enter into the place where they're at and just something stinks about them. I mean, they look great. They look like all high and mighty, but man, they just, ooh, don't like them. But down to earth is just being just down to earth. You are who you are and nothing more. You see, humility's closest companion in an attribute is honesty, is honesty. You are honest with yourself. You look in the mirror, you say, hey, I have these gifts and talents, and then I have this stuff I need to work on. And today, Lord, help me use these gifts and talents to serve other people and lift them up and help me, Lord, not to act on these other passions that are very dangerous for me to act on. You look in the mirror and you, you are very real with yourself. I have these gifts. I need to keep this under control. Lord, help me. That's humility. It's, you are very self-aware because humility is self-awareness. Humility is self-awareness. Humility is not um, depreciating. Not, it's not low self-image. It's not low self-esteem. It is you know who you are, who God created you to be, and you're going to live that particular way. Did you know that God is not impressed with your talents or gifts? Did you know that? He's not impressed with your talents or gifts. He's not impressed with my talents or gifts. Do you know why he is not impressed with your talents and gifts? Because he gave them to you. He gave them to you. Why would he be impressed with something that he gave to you? He's not impressed with that. Do you know what God is impressed with, though? A person that has a great character that is humble. He is very impressed with those people. Why? Because those people have chosen a life of humility, a life of courageousness, a life of integrity, and a life of being authentic. Like I did that. I'm being very careful. Thank you. Goodbye. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Appreciate that. I just, yeah. Authentic. This has been quite the day. You know, my wife tells me all the time I don't say words correctly, and I just say, people need to get on board with me. <laughs> they need to get on board with me. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah, that's really prideful, isn't it? So, <laughs> humility is self-aware. He's not impressed with your giftedness. If you think other people should be impressed with you and your giftedness, you're not humble. You're prideful. That is not the purpose of your gifts. So how in the world can you and I be humble? How, in you and I, how can you and I actually be the, be the type of humble person that God really is impressed with? Well, God himself actually lays down the path in the sand for us to go in. He does. He gives us the pathway to be humble. He does. Um. It is not surprising that God is more powerful than us. It is not surprising that he knows more than us. It's not surprising that he's more gracious than us and more loving than us. That is not what is so surprising about God. What is so surprising about God is that God himself is a humble God. He's a humble God. That's surprising. It's mind-blowing that he is humble. 
See, we know people that have power and prestige and uses it for themselves, but God does not. He has all the power that you could possibly have, all the knowledge that you could possibly have, and God chooses to be humble. Well, you say, Philip, how in the world do you know that he's humble? Is there scriptural evidence? Is there any evidence that God is humble? Yes, there is. Let's think about the Trinity. Who does Jesus Christ glorify? Talk to me. Which one? Not which one? His Father. Jesus Christ glorifies God the Father. Who does God the Father glorify? Speak a little louder. Yeah, the answer is Jesus. Yeah. So God the Father never glorifies himself. He always glorifies the Son. And the Son always glorifies the Father. And then there's the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to give you the answer to this question. Who does he glorify? Well, he glorifies the Father and the Son. And nobody ever glorifies the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, if he was a human, would pout because of that. They never glorified me. I never get any credit. I'm sitting down here helping these worthless people, you know. Holy Spirit, I quite do. Da, da, da. No, because for the, each person of the Trinity, it is not about themselves. It is about someone else. And the path to humility, the first step, is when you become more concerned about the people around you than your own self. That's humbleness. So they're always glorifying. They're always pushing someone else. They're always giving credit to someone else. God does not use his power to impress us. He uses his power to transform us. God could impress us. He does impress us, right? But God's intent in creating the world and creating the universe and creating everything around us in sending Jesus to die on the cross and the resurrection and all the miracles isn't to impress you, it's to transform you because he is concerned about you. He is humble enough to be concerned about you. And he doesn't have to be. Let's just imagine for a moment, because maybe you've never imagined this. I have, because I need therapy. I've imagined a God that was egotistical, prideful, and arrogant, running the world. Guess who would not be here? You wouldn't be here. He would not care. He would be up there saying, oh, it doesn't matter if they have oxygen. Yeah. I know they, global warming, we'll just let the whole thing just collapse. We'll show them what global warming really is. We'll send some fire down. Let's have the sun just do some stuff. I'm just so sick and tired of them. They never follow me. You know, he would be arrogant. Why don't they think about me more often, right? It would be horrible. So God, in his wisdom just because of who he is, is a humble God and he cares for you and me. So the earth keeps spinning around a sun in the middle of nowhere, hanging on nothing at all, with oxygen and everything that you need to live. And not only does he do all of that, but each individual person in here, he is concerned about what you're going through right now and he wants to help you with it. That is humility. Because I guarantee you, there's some people 
in this room that wouldn't help some other people. There's some Christians that wouldn't have that level of humility, but God does. So he uses it to transform us and he's concerned about our well-being. So turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter two. Philippians chapter two. Philippians chapter two. All right, Philippians chapter two. We're gonna start reading with verse one. And this is what it says. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped but emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Woo. Not only is God the Father in his humility did that, but Jesus Christ in his humility has also come to, showed us, he, blah, 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 blah. That is not charismatic. That is me just, my tongue just getting in the way of my mouth and my brain and everything that I want to say, okay? Jesus has also showed us a path to humility, okay? So let, let's think about that. A couple of things, a couple observations. First, humility is obedience. Humility is obedience, um, I've told you this before, it might make you uncomfortable, really don't mind that at all, but there's just some things in scripture that I may or may not agree with. But it's not my job to agree with it, it's my job to obey it. That's my job. If you've never had that experience, I mean, it's, it, ha- it happens, it happens. You see, obedience means humility is also submission. Submission, so that's the next one, yeah. So I submit to the Bible even when I don't understand why it's telling me to do what it's telling me to do. For instance, why, why can't I hang around certain people? Like, I, I need to be loving, but the Bible's telling me not to hang around those people or I become like them, right? But I want to because I love them, 
So why can't I hang around them? I just, I feel included in that group. I feel this way in the group. Why can't I hang around those particular people? And the reason is God tells me not to. He tells me, yes, you witness to those people, but you don't hang out in that environment. You tracking? So, but man, it's just not that loving. Well, God's telling me not to do that, so I'm gonna stay away from that environment. Well, what about the people who who think they're one way, but they're really not that way. Like they were born differently than everybody else in the world that's naturally born a particular way. I'm not skirting the issue. I'm just trying to cover all of them. I don't know what letter we're on. I'm not making fun, but I don't. I don't know what letter we're on. I just don't. I don't keep up with it. But as much as we would like you may or may not want to acknowledge them or love them. Okay, I'll just say it. We want to love them. We want to accept people, but we can't accept certain things. Like God created this, this way, male and female, and that's all he created. That's all he created. And so even though I might feel like I want to sympathize with their condition, God tells me not to sympathize with their condition. He tells me to love them enough to give them the gospel, to preach the gospel to them, but I should not accept the sin that they're currently involved in. Obedience is submission. And your hope is that they will begin to realize that their way of life is very destructive and they'll see Jesus in you so that they can come to Jesus and then you can hang out. That's your goal. But there's some people that we just have to say, that is wrong, and that is not right. And it's more than just that subject. I mean, there's other subjects as well. It's just not right. So humility is submitting to the Word of God, even when you feel like or wish that it was some other way. You still submit to Him. Humility is meekness. Jesus Christ was meek. Meekness, the definition of meekness is strength under control. Strength under control. He had strength and it was under control. You and I, we have strengths and we need to control those strengths. We are strength, it's, humility is strength under control. Here's the next one. Humility enables us to adapt. Prideful people can't adapt because you're supposed to adapt to them, Okay? Humble people can adapt. I'm not saying that adapting is acceptance, but I'm saying whatever comes your way in a particular day, you're able to adapt because this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it, even if it's crummy. I'm gonna adapt to this day and be humble enough to know that I don't deserve good days anyway. So I'm gonna go at this one with 100% of my ability. So humility enables us to adapt. Here's another thing from actually Philippians 2. Humility is an emptying of ourselves. You see, because if you're full of yourself, God can't fill you up. If you're empty of yourself, God can fill you up. He can fill you up. Yeah. So I have a friend of mine. He recently got a new church. We're going to call him Pastor Bill. Okay, he's in God's church. Now, they teach you in school that when you get a new church, that you're not supposed to change anything for the first year. 
I don't know why the magical number is the first year, but they tell you not to change anything the first year. I don't necessarily agree with that. Okay, I don't necessarily agree with that. So I'll tell you why. If the church is doing something wrong, you change it. doesn't matter. You don't wait a year. You change it. So you, you just change it. So I think you should change it. But he's doing it, and that's perfectly fine with me. Perfectly fine. We're good friends. So he decided not to change anything for the first year, and um, they have a leadership retreat. They're set up like we are, elders, deacons, as their leaders. And the policy is that on this leadership retreat, you have to go or... If you don't, you have to resign. So if you don't go on the leadership retreat where they align everybody back to the vision, right, you have to resign. And so my friend Bill, he got up at the first night of the leadership retreat and he made his, he made his speech. And at the end of it, he said, I just want to thank you all for being here. I know you have to be because if you don't come, you have to resign as a leader. And if there's any leader that isn't here, we expect their resignation right? And then he stepped down. Well, one of his staff members came up to him and said, what are you doing? He said, well, what do you mean? He said, you're saying that if nobody's, if the person isn't here, that they have to resign? He said, yeah, that's the policy. He said, we've never enforced that policy. So Bill thinks like I do. If you're not going to enforce a policy, don't have the policy, Right? Like, if you know, why do you have it? Is this like lip service or something? What in the world is going on here? Enforce the policy. It wasn't Bill's policy. It was somebody else's policy. You got a policy? Uh, okay. Anyway, back to the story. So um, Bill gets home from the retreat. It's a Saturday morning. He gets a phone call. It's from an elder in his church. The elder says, Pastor Bill, we have a problem. I was not at the leadership retreat. My friend Bill says, okay, I know it was something that was important that caused you not to get there. Let's figure out what it was. Were you sick? No, I wasn't sick. Was there anybody in the hospital? Were your, was your family dying? No, my family wasn't dying. Nobody was dying. Um, well, uh, did you have some type of car trouble on the way there and you wasn't able to come because of car trouble? And, and the elder said, no. Um, I went to a ball game. And in going to that ball game, I said that the ball game was more important than my duties at the church. And so on Wednesday evening, if you will let me, I'm going to resign as an elder of the church. And Bill on the phone, my, my friend Bill says, okay, well, you want to do it on Wednesday night? He said, yeah, okay, well, we'll give you time on Wednesday night to um, tell the church and tell them exactly what you're doing. And and so Wednesday night came, and, uh, and lo and behold, Bill got up there, and he stood in front of the church, and he said, look, I'm an elder, and I didn't go to the elder uh, retreat, and um, I negated my duty. I made a, a sports game more important than serving God in this church, and it was wrong. And so I submit my resignation at this moment to the church. And so the church just kind of sat there, and, and let's just call him Rick. Rick sat down, okay? And Pastor Bill got up, and he said, um, that's, that's pretty incredible that he would do that. Um, so I move that we reinstate Rick as an elder of this church because that's the type of leadership we need. And the whole place stood to their feet and gave him a stand innovation.
Ladies and gentlemen, that's the type of leadership all churches need. Right? You might think that the policy is stupid, but in the moment, that man knew that he put a ball game above his church responsibilities. And so he decided that he was going to resign because his heart was not in the right place. That is a level of humility that every single leader in this church should have. That's a level of humility that every single leader in any church should have. And it's so stinking inspiring. Because how many leaders never get to that level of humility? Well, hopefully not all of them. Hopefully not. And that brings us to llamas. Yeah. I have been reading about llamas. Because every now and then, and I'm not complaining, I love what I do here. I absolutely love it. I love helping, I love, I love the whole thing. But every now and then, I need something way outside of what I normally do to get a break. Is that okay with you? So I read about stupid stuff. Like, so I'm reading about llamas currently. I don't know what got me on the llama train, but I've been on the llama train. Now in Africa, recently this week actually, I read about llamas in Africa. Didn't know llamas were in Africa. I thought it was too hot, but I don't know too much about Africa, obviously. I'll read about that next. That would be fun. So anyway, llamas in Africa. And there's a place in Africa where when they get a group of llamas, they don't build a fence to keep them contained. They don't build any type of electric fence, no nothing. What they do is they take one rope and they tie it around poles where they want to keep the llamas and they put it they put the rope at the llama's neck height. You know, llamas have long necks, so neck height. And that keeps the llamas contained within their prison. They will not do this. <laughs> they won't do it. Now, llamas can't bend their necks. I don't know if you know that. They do, really can't bend their necks. They can bend this part and this part right here. So if you watch my waist, I'm really trying to do it like a llama. They can't, you know... But they won't bend down like this to go out because they're, they're standing up. It's kind of a prideful stance. So they'll walk around right up, to the, right up to the rope and they'll just stand there. Freedom is out of here. Containment is right here, but they won't bend down in order to be free. I know I bent my neck a little bit. It's just wait, okay? So here's these llamas, right? They, they won't bend. Listen, they're so prideful, they will not bend in order to get to freedom. There are some people that are so prideful, they will never say they're sorry. They will never say they do anything wrong. They will never say anything that could get them freedom from the prison that they've created from their arrogance and their pridefulness. They will not bend down and get to freedom. And Jesus says, it's time to bend down. It's time to apologize for your pridefulness, apologize for your arrogance, apologize for the sin that so easily besets you and bend down and get to freedom. Because out here, men alive, it's an abundant life. There are people that are married 
And this is where I don't like it. (laughs) You get into an altercation with, let's just make up a name, Nicole. (laughs) Get into an altercation. Guys, are you tracking with me? If anybody in the room tracking with me? She is the hardest person in my life to apologize to. Is that not horrible? This is, it's just horrible that she, the one I love the most, she is the hardest person I have in my life to apologize to. It sometimes takes me days. Sometimes takes me days. And it's so pathetic. So pathetic. I'm not going to get so authentic that I get lethal, but good night. Sometimes it's just hard to bend your neck and get out to freedom in your marriage. Sometimes it's hard to say, man, I really messed up at work and I really need to serve other people and put them in mind rather than me and bend your neck and start serving people. It is so hard to do sometimes, so hard to do. But it's so essential to do it. We have to get a place to a place in our life where we are not better than everybody else. Instead, we are there to serve everybody else. And by the way, it's about time that Christians start taking the low road rather than the high road. Talk about taking the high road and looking down on the people that aren't doing things our way, and it's just a prideful thing to say we're taking the high road. We need to take the low road and look up to them. And the way that you do that is you say, I am worse than they are, and I want to help them. It's at that moment that God highly exalts you. He highly exalts you. It's time for Christians to take the low road. I want to help them because they have a lot of potential. I want to help them because they're valuable. I want to help them. It totally changes your mindset. Taking the high road is just another way of saying, I'm looking down on you in arrogance and pride. I got to take the high road. Just a llama that won't bend its neck. So, humility, you have to be humble, you have to pursue it, you have to go for it, because the foundation of humility is very important for your courageousness, for your character, and for your ability to be authentic. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the stage you've given us. Um, I I know I said this before in the first service, Father, but it's still true. You're an amazing God. We're amazed by your power, your holiness, your graciousness, your mercy, your strength, your ability to create, your love for us. But in this moment, I would just like to say the most mind-blowing thing about you is your humility. Father, 
Father, help us have a touch of that. Our desire is to serve you and live in freedom, to grab a hold of that life of abundance. And if our pride and arrogance are preventing us from getting there, help us to get rid of that. Help us to know, help us to humble our hearts in such a way that we bow to you we submit to you, we decide to obey you, we decide to follow you, and we decide to help other people around us. Help us run away from the tendency to help ourselves, to run away from the tendency to build ourselves up and make it all about us. When really it should be all about you and others. Every time anyone in this room, anyone watching online looks in the mirror this week, remind them of their talents and abilities, the places they need to work on. And then just throw the thought in our mind that we are here, put in our positions to serve the people around us. And what I know will happen if we do that is we will change the world. So we leave that at the foot of the cross.